This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Jay, Jay, is, Jay is rolling his eyes and making a wrap it up hand motion. So Look, um, Jay, we're <laughs> arguing about Sabine's colored armaments. Everything's fine. <laughs> Jay, this is very important. I'm, I am surfing right, Google right. while on this podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornbos, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Welcome back to Notorious Scoundrels. My name is David. I'm here with Mike and Kyle. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey. It's going really well for me. And uh, let's uh, let's dive in a little bit to uh, what we're going to talk about today. It's going to be um, we're going to talk a little bit about Northeast Open that's coming up this weekend in Syracuse, New York, at the New York State Fairgrounds. And Jay, our engineer, is going to tell us a little bit more about that. Well, let me tell you about the Northeast Open. You have literally three days left to register, so if you want to come, we got tons of great stuff. Uh, the two shout outs that I'd like to really give out is to Imperial Terrain. Uh, that's Dave from Imperial Terrain. Not only is he providing a couple tables for us to play on, but he's also going to be providing, uh, giveaways to every attendee, which is going to be amazing. I don't, I don't want to give it a, give it away. I don't want to give away the giveaway. Uh, but something like that. yeah, something to that of dumb effect. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to have something. Uh, we've got Legion Terrain. The boys over there are doing a bunch of tables for us as well. And they're going to be giving something away to each attendee, plus uh, a random drawing giveaway, which is going to be crazy. Uh, you know, it's the last week. The It's this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And we're still getting sponsorships uh, from all kinds of different companies. And so... Not only I think everyone who attends will walk away with the order tokens, the token bag, the alt art cards. We've got full art standing orders. We've got the things that the terrain makers are going to be giving you. That's just for that's just for walking in the door. Uh, and then outside of that, we're going to be having giveaways going on all day, each day, uh, instead of waiting to the end of the tournament on Sunday uh, to give all the random stuff away. We're going to do it after each round. So there's going to be giveaways going on through all throughout the weekend. We're going to be live streaming. So if you can't attend, uh, just go to the fifth trooper YouTube page and you'll be able to watch, uh, the event from there. We're going to be live streaming two two tables. So you'll, you'll be able to see what's going on and we'll talk about what's going on at the event. So you can, you could be there by proxy if you wanted to. Uh, but I mean, we're still taking, we'll still take people last minute up till Friday. If you want to register and you can make it out, you should, it's, it's going to be the event to rule all events, I guess is what I'll say there. Does that make you Sauron? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like in a really good way, like Sauron where you can like get beer mm -hmm. and have fun. <laughs> And put bounties on people. Yeah, and and you don't have to fall into a lava pit, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, bounties, right, Kyle? Thank you. So we're gonna have a bounty board. If you haven't seen that already announced, where you can put a bounty on another player, either to defeat them or to defeat one of their units or to, I don't know, do whatever within the game parameters. And uh, you know, you could put a bounty up for like a beer, or you'll buy them a beer, or you'll do something and i'm sure it'll be amazing buy them dinner maybe There's, yeah uh, you want to talk also about the army painter sponsorship army painter got in on this uh, as well yeah so we've got let's see they gave us a few um painting sets so multiple paints tools uh brushes we've got master class brushes we've got the most wanted brushes sets uh they yeah they really went all out for us um, they're very supportive of this. So army painter, if you guys, uh, don't use them, you should, because they are supporting us. So we should support them. Earlier today, by the way, uh, listeners, Jay gave us a behind the scenes peek at some of the boards that are going to be at this event. And oh my gosh, you're going to be blown away 
when you get there, you're going to see some really amazing boards. And uh, if you're on the fence, I hope this gets you off the fence. And uh, I got to tell you, you will not be disappointed when you show up at this event. It will be potentially the highlight of your year as a Legion player. Yeah. And that's a David, that's a great point. Um, all, you know, we have, uh, let's see, like five, maybe five different terrain builders that, you know, are, are companies out in the, out in the ether of our community. And uh, man, each one of them all went to ridiculous lengths, uh, building terrain for this event. And I mean, just I'll, I'll tease some of it. We're going to have so far our Mimbam mat, uh, Jordan at Skullforge built this amazing, amazing, uh, quote unquote, mud planet, uh, mud planet. map. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's going to be amazing. Um, I mean, there's going to be a, a very special Mustafar lava planet map there, map there. Uh, you know, the, the guys at Legion Terrain uh, went all out. So if you've seen any of their down AT, AT-ATs or their down X-Wings or TIE Fighters, they actually built a couple boards with all of that in, specially, specially made to our mats. Uh, you know, Dave over at Imperial Terrain, he's putting out a bunch of boards and he sent me the pictures and, oh my God, those are going to be amazing. And I think the real kicker uh, for all of you at home is that if you come, uh, most of the boards from these makers and these companies are actually for sale. So you could come to the Northeast Open, and if you're like, man, I love this board, there's going to be a very good chance that it'll be for sale and you could walk away with it this weekend. You could just buy it fully painted, ready to go with a mat, and you could just have a board for, for your home. So it's it's going to be crazy. I mean, we're, we're- where do you get a chance to do that, man? Because like, you know, if you're at home on the internet and, you know, you're you're sort of just looking for STL files and trying to, you know, piece it together yourself. And but but this is like you can buy this stuff like it's it's a it's like a playset, like full blown almost, you know. Uh, you could just walk out of there with it, like you said. So I mean, this is an incredible opportunity if you're a, a serious hobbyist, but you, you know, don't have the time or facilities yourself to construct some of the amazing terrain that we've seen at, at these uh, you know, large events this is a chance for you to get on that train without, you know, a huge investment of time. And you also get to try before you buy, you get to see it right, right in front of you. Yeah. I th- that's um, the I biggest wanna, thing. You know, right? Do you want, do you want to, do you want to talk about the Luke Eddy thing? Oh, right. <laughs> Dear God, there's yeah. so much going on. And I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, this, is the, this is the last, this is the last stop on the hype right. train so far. So, because, uh, <laughs> We got to move on. <laughs> the esteemed Luke Eddy, uh, one of the developer designers of Star Wars Legion, will be at the event. And you can say hi to him. You can ask him questions. Uh, Saturday night, we're actually going to be taking a select few of our attendees out to a fully paid for dinner uh, slash drinks, whatever, with Luke and and the fifth trooper and the notorious scoundrels uh, kind of like a meet and greet. So you could come meet us, hang out with us, hang out with Luke, ask him questions, enjoy some great food and drinks and have an amazing time. And, you know, not just us, but there's going to be other members of the community are going to be there. We're going to have the world champion there. Luke cook is going to be there. So you can come say hi to him. He's giving out an award. He's given out that star Wars celebration Vader for the best sportsman, uh, at the event. So he'll be there. Kevin Valier from Imperial Discipline blog is going to be there. Like, I think he's bringing full art cards to give away. Like, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. There's so much stuff going on. So many people, you're guaranteed to walk away with your money's worth and more from the event. So if, if you're like David said, if you're on the fence, you still got a couple days, come on, make the decision drive, fly, get on a boat, come on up to Syracuse, New York and enjoy the salt city. Cause it's, you know, July and it's going to be the only three days we'll have nice weather all year. So come on up. <laughs> all right. Well, that is, I'm super hyped for that. Like Kyle and Mike, are you with me on this? Like this is going to be just off the chain. Oh yeah, it's be really good. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I was playing. I'm gonna be yeah. honest. I've been trying to get my hand on the Star Wars Celebration Darth Vader for a long time, 
at a reasonable and affordable price tag. And zero is a pretty good one. Um, <laughs> maybe so. you can be the maybe you can be the uh, most sportsmanlike commentator. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, for some reason, I don't think that's going to fly. Uh, but you know, I just uh, there's a lot going on, um, and I think it's going to be it's a good time. Um, and I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, so uh, we're going to spend the rest of the show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the store champs. Uh, the, so FFGOP announced on Facebook that they are uh, taking applications from stores for the next wave of what are now called Prime Championships. Uh, the the championships formerly known as RPQs. Um, uh, Kyle, you want to talk a little bit about what you know? Yeah, so um, actually, you know, the first question that people posed when they said we're now taking applications for prime championships is what are these? <laughs> yeah. um, so they are literally just RPQs, but uh, by a different name. Um, so uh, FFG um, actually was very quick to respond uh, to the questions directly on the Facebook post and basically said, yes, these are these are literally just RPQs, rally point qualifiers. So prime championship, RPQ, same thing. Um, I think, uh, the RPQs were, um, from the old OP guard that, uh, has since moved on. Um, and, uh, now they're going by that new name. So when you hear prime championship, that just means RPQ, uh, the other levels, I guess, are staying the same, which is nationals. Uh, so nationals will be conventions like, um, Nova open and, um, LVO. Uh, there's also continentals which uh, there's only one continental per continent, uh, apparently. Makes sense, right? Um, I think Gen Con is North America's continental. Um, Can we talk about that for a second? Because that yeah. logic doesn't hold. Because if there's only one continent per continent, there should be only one national per nation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, but there's more than one convention, I guess. That's a big tournament. So. I'm just saying... They, well, you know what? It's, okay, so well, hang on. Did we so skip over the Grand Championships? No, you're right. We did skip over the Grand Championships. I think Nationals and Grand Championships are basically the same thing. There we go. All right. Maybe maybe that's... Yeah. So, this anyway. It, you're right. Okay, so it's confusing. Um, the They all go to the same place, which is Adepticon. Uh, high Command, Worlds, it's the same thing. High Command equals Worlds. Worlds equals High Command. Um. So if you've got one of those little cards, which is the, you know the only record in existence that you want an RPQ, uh, <laughs> a don't lose that. But b it says high command on there. What it means is worlds at Adepticon. Um, and I think when you said that I immediately started looking around for my card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put that thing in like a lock, uh, a safe deposit box at a bank or something. Yeah, wherever put it in like a fireproof bag. Yeah, wherever yeah. you keep your social security card, that's where it should go. <laughs> Yeah. You know. oh, shit, where's my social security card? There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, so, and the only difference, I think, between RPQs and the Grand Championships is that there are uh, plane tickets and hotel attached to the Grand Championship spots. Yeah, I also think that there are... It's unclear to me how many more invites are given at the Grand Championships, so I'm pretty sure there's only one invite at each RPQ, and yeah. Grand Championships there's are like... like somewhere between two and four right now it sounds like two to four yeah it's yeah i've heard four i've heard two um so i don't know but um the prizes are also different they rolled out those i think the grand championship kits posted others they on did. facebook they looked pretty sweet actually it was like some bosk and sabine alt arts um a giant dice trophy uh <laughs> yes it's unclear how big it is but it's it's not it's not like swag rollable dice because it doesn't have the Legion symbols on it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Maybe it's like a fist sized dice that you can just put down on your table. You know, it's sometimes I feel with these kids, they're like prize sport teams, just like trying to flex, you know, show that they have some muscle in some of these prizes. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's not, it's cool. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it's a big dice and not just like a normal D8 with weird symbols would, on it. Yeah, I hope it's like a big one, like commemorative. I would, you know? Yeah. That's like interesting. I would prefer like special dice generally. Oh, you mean like dice you can actually use yes. in a game? Yeah, I mean, like I know that's yes. not what this is, but I would yep. greatly prefer that. I mean, X-Wing's got it. Armada's got it. 
Imperial Assault's got yeah, it. Yeah. Well, so I think we'll get there eventually. In fact, uh, there were special, like, translucent dice previewed in the, not in the Grand Championship, but in, like, the um, like the summer just local yes. prize kit. Right? The Season 2 premium kit. Yeah, whatever that means. Translucent red attack dice like uh, IA had, mm. like Imperial Assault. Yeah. Red red dice, best yeah. dice. So I think red dice, best dice. But apparently, get your yep. frag grenades on. There you go. Or just because there's two, you get coordinated bombardment, right? So yeah, and DLTs. Yeah, DLT. Perfect. Yeah. You'll roll them. You'll be rolling them like every single time if you play Empire. Yep. <laughs> you'll always you'll always need them. Because, uh, uh, rebels don't really have them. Yeah. So I think I, hopefully that's going to become more of a thing, and we'll get more than just two red dice in circulation. Um, yeah but, fingers you know, crossed yeah just go to like 10 10 uh summer kits and then you know get a get a full set or whatever i was gonna say i was <laughs> gonna invade everybody's yeah. stores so that i can get my hands on these days it's yeah, funny just, too because like, i could see like could it be? i could see like a white dice you know you need a bunch of those but you really you rarely need more than two red dice unless you're playing vader um so if you're rolling around with like six red dice you're probably not going to need those <laughs> No man, I got I gotta do my frag grenades where I have my extra trooper or have my flamethrower throwing the frag grenade just for extra red dice. That's what I gotta do. Yeah, and IRG roll red dice. Yeah, that's true. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are some. I mean, they're mostly imperial, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? Uh, Rebels have more dice. So it's the third time it's are you saying the naming conventions have changed? It's not the third time. Uh oh yeah, I I was it, it, we're talking about the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. Um yeah. yeah, I was I was griping about how many times they've changed the names of barbecues. <clears throat> we don't have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, FFG, stop it. <laughs> like <laughs> we 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 want to know what things are. We want you to tell us one time and then well, have it be the have it be it. But on the plus yeah. side, they're like talking to us now, you know? Like somebody asked right, a question yeah. on the post and immediately, yeah, of so course. I, you know, they responded. So we like feedback. Yes. Shout out to Matt Holland for that. Like, seriously, like, thank you. I don't know what happened, but thank you for reaching out to us on a consistent basis. We very much appreciate it. And we very much hope that you continue to do yes, so. Yeah, indeed. Thank you. It's very, it's very welcome. Uh, change. So, um, Oh, one last yeah. thing. The premium kit has the um, double-sided uh, tank and X-34 alt arts in it, which oh, yeah. look pretty cool. Yeah, so this is the summer tournament kit. Right. Whatever they're calling it, yeah. They're calling it a season two premium. I have no idea. Yep. It's, this is the thing, if you have like a local tourney that's not part of the actual world's uh, feeder structure, then this is the kit. Right? I think? I think so. Okay. I'm not, I, don't know if I, I don't know for certain, but... I mean, I guess they can stores can do whatever they want with it if they have an RPQ. One, they can one, give it up. One day RPQ. we'll know. Yeah, they can do anything they want, but resell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so that's enough about organized play. Um, now we're going to move on to the strategy section, where we're going to talk about terrain. Um, specifically, what do you look for when you approach a board? And you have the opportunity to choose the board edge. So when you bid for blue, blue gets to choose what board edge they start on. And that can be make or break, depending on how the board is balanced. But uh, whatever the case, it definitely plays a fundamental role in uh, one's overall strategy. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are. What do you look for when you choose a board edge in a game of Star Wars Legion? So uh, this was a big factor last weekend at Worlds. Um, even I think, and and a lot of the bids, if you ask the players, and Luke Cook told us this last week, uh, primarily was for choosing board edge. Um, even on a you know quote unquote balanced or mostly symmetrical table, um, you know there's really important nuances to each table side, unless it's like perfectly symmetrical, which they never are. Because A, that would be boring, and B, Legion terrain is much more varied than that. Um, so, you know, even things like the placement and angle of the barricades um, can be important. Um, you know, you want to look for things like that. Uh, you always want to think about um, 
you know, the orientation of cover relative to the center of the table. Uh, three out of the five objectives interact with the center and involve fighting over the center in some significant capacity. Um, and even the ones that don't do it directly, like breakthrough and sabotage, you know, the center of the board is still usually an important and commanding position. So, um, you know, you want to think about cover relative to the center. Uh, we talk a lot about um, firing lanes. You want to think about those lanes and how they interact with your opponent's deployment zone if you choose a given side and also, um, you know, the center of the table and where the objectives are going to be. Um, you want to think about the deployment zones. You know, if you like, if you're a blue player and you have disarray in your deck, make sure you know which corners are going to be the disarray corners because those are generally flipped from, you know, the quote-unquote like standard major offensive corners. Uh, blue player gets the corners that are not like the normal deployment zone corners. So, uh, so let's let's pause for a second and just yep. define that for folks. Okay. So the so-called normal deployment corner, right? Let's say you're facing, you're standing on the long edge of the mm -hmm. board. It's going to be the right-hand corner. Correct. Yep. Is the so-called normal corner. Right. Um, and if you're blue, which you know that's the premise, um, it's the right sort of um, end zone, I guess, is long march. And then for disarray, it's the left corner, upper lower, right, lower, lower left. left. Yep. Right, lower left and upper right are those blue player corners as well for disarray. And that's actually a really important consideration because I've noticed a lot of tables kind of are set up with the quote-unquote standard like major offensive deployment zones in mind. In other words, they make sure that those areas have decent approaches to center and good cover. But that often leaves those like those other two corners, the, the blue disarray corners, uh, you know, a little more sparse or more disadvantageous. Um, so that's definitely something to think about, especially if you have disarray in your deck when you're looking at the table. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's not totally. in there, you definitely don't have to worry about it at all. Right. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people cut. Well, there's a lot of reasons a lot of people cut disarray. Um, it's, it's the most cut deployment type. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons. You know, the other is if you don't have a two commander list, often you can have problems on disarray. Um, but yeah, it's also time consuming. It is very time consuming. Yeah, especially like at a normal tournament where you can't walk all the way around the table. Um, it takes a long time, and even when you can, it still takes a long time. So, um, yeah, just keep that in mind as blue. Like those are often disarray is often a, a disadvantageous deployment inherently for blue because of terrain placement. So, so what do you look for, Mike, when you when you uh, go to to pick a zone? I'm pretty sure Empire, you know, has a few different considerations than a Rebellion might have. Um, I actually, I don't think it's that different. Um, uh, a couple things. Uh, I think it depends on the list you're playing, but the first thing that always stands out to me is line of sight blocking terrain. That's like, you look at a board, that's the first thing you should look at, is what is going on with the line of sight blocking terrain and where you can take advantage of it. Um, <clears throat> clearly right now, snipers are a huge thing in the meta. Being able to hide them is important. Um, if you can't corner peek with them, and you know your, your opponent probably has some type of bombard in their list or snipers of their own, if you don't have good places to hide them, you're going to be at a severe disadvantage from the start. So that's kind of where I generally start. Um, the next place I go is kind of feeling out which side has a better box grab for Boba Fett. Um, making sure that he can get in there on turn one or two and get out reasonably without taking fire. Um, that's a little bit more unique to my list specifically because I play a lot of Boba Fett right now. Um, but those kind of two things are my go-tos when I'm looking for a table side. Um, making sure that I've got line of sight blockers in or near my deployment area is huge. Um, that generally is the biggest thing that uh, kind of determines which side I'm picking. You know, if, if one side has considerably more, I'm just going to take it almost every time. I'd like to just add to what both of you have said. Um, I'm a very like visual metaphor kind of person. And so what I think of when I'm looking at a board is I'm trying to say, okay, well, where, where can my enemy see me? And, you know, where do I, where do I feel like I need to go and how intense, you know, is that going to be contested? 
Um, so I think of my opponent's ability to see me and shoot me kind of like a, a, a light source and safe places are the shadowed areas, like wherever my opponent's light source can't, can't get to is where I'm going to put my dudes. And if I got heavy cover, I have to just sort of understand that they're still being, you know, light still being shine on them, but you know, you have to, or not, you have to, but um, everything the light touches. Yeah. Everything the light touches is where your opponent can murder you. (laughs) And then um, that's also good for you too, because you can say, you can do the same thing. You can say like, okay, well, where, where will I, you know, cast my influence on the board? Like where will I be, you know, being able, able to exert my firepower against my opponent. So I think a lot of I think a lot about that when I'm looking at board edges, and um, obviously like deployment zones, and um, it's also good to just kind of have in the back of your head um, where, and I mean even before you, well actually before you choose board edge and when you're doing battle cards, having in the back of your head the relationship between deployment zones and objectives, super important. Um, just knowing that the crates on recover can't go within one of your deployment zone and especially evaporators. That's a huge one. Yep. Uh, if you pick evaporators and, you know, knowing that you can force your opponent to do something because evaporators are very restrictive because they have a, a, you know, range one minimum distance from your deployment zone and has to be more than two away from your opponent's evaporators or from other evaporators, I should say. Um, so that's also extremely restrictive. But um, those are some; those are definitely some things to to take a look at. Um, so you know, access to heavy cover. Um, you know, where can I hide my stuff? What will the deployment zones look like? And where do the objectives go? I think those are kind of the the big summary points that we've touched on here. All right. Um, do we have any more to say about choosing side? Do we want to any anything we missed or skipped? I don't think so. It's it's kind of an ad, abstract, you know. It depends kind of topic. Um, it's definitely yeah. not exact science for sure. No, it's, it's totally not. It's one of those things that you know we talk a lot about reps um, on, you know, against different opponents on different tables. Um, like if you just play a lot at home and you've got one terrain set, uh, you know, at a minimum, just arrange it differently each time so that you can sort of get a feel for different different setups and what to look for. Um, but it helps to plan different types of, of tables too. Cause, um, you know, uh, you can have pieces that interact differently than you expect. That's another thing uh, we've mentioned before too, but make sure that you talk, always talk before the game extensively with your opponent about what each terrain piece does, um, to the extent that it's not obvious. And, you know, even if it is obvious, just make sure to mention it because you, you know, the last thing you want during a game is like a misunderstanding. You thought it was heavy cover and it was light cover or something. Um, so, or you thought it was open and your opponent thought it was difficult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had that happen recently. Yeah. And, and you should always make sure that that conversation specifically happens before you pick the table edge. Uh, cause, yes, cause absolutely. that can have some dire ramifications. If you pick the table edge, you get halfway through setup and like somebody asks a question and they're like, Oh, that's not what I assumed this would do. You know, um, at that point, it's kind of like, I guess you call a judge and hope that he goes with whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Call a judge or, you know, flip a coin, roll yeah. a die, you know, whatever you have to do to make the choice, to take the choice out of the player's hands. Yep. Yeah. And even if, you know, you go to a, you go to a tournament and they've got the little slips there that say the, like what things are, still make sure you talk about it because it's not obvious necessarily always like small rocks equals light big rocks equals heavy you know and you look at the terrain you're like well what is small and what is big you know right um so just make sure that you're even like if you're going to a tournament where that's labeled before anyone picks sides have yeah that honestly the biggest thing that and this is a little bit of a sidebar i see a lot of people get confused when they see the impassable word on a terrain piece and think that you cannot climb it mm. because it says impassable on it um which is interesting to me um but that's, I think, one of the bigger misconceptions yeah. as far as like terrain being like miscommunicated in, in the middle of a game. Yeah, so impassable just means if it has a sheer side that you have yeah. to climb clamber to get up it. That's all it means. Um, unless it's like a lava pit, you know, then it means you <laughs> probably can't go in there. 
but generally speaking, you know, like you'll see like a rock with sheer sides and a flat top be classified as impassable. And all that means is that you can't get up the sides without jumping or climbing clambering. Like that doesn't mean that that flat top is not in play basically. So, um, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to making a list without strike teams. Um, my memory is kind of faulty. I don't remember who posed this challenge first, but I think this was because of uh, an exhibition match that's going to be happening at uh, some point soon. I think Kyle, you're involved in that. Yeah. So um, Luke and I, Luke Cook and I had the idea to just, um, you know, we knew we figured we had to do like a stream testing match at some point. So we were like, well, let's just play some jank um, and let people vote on what jank they want to see. So we put up a poll on Facebook and there were several options there. Um, one of the uh, commenters, Mr. Uh, Nathan Wiles, sorry, Nathan Willens um, from uh, Critical X said, well, why don't you guys do, you know, like I want to see actual competitive lists, but I want to see it without strike teams and I want to see it without Veers, Bobo, Luke, or Leia. Blasphemy. Um, yeah, I know, right? right? So we actually then did a second poll because the most popular option from that first poll was uh, triple support, triple he- or uh, double heavies. Um, which I almost ended up making anyway. <laughs> um, but then we compared that to the competitive, you know, essentially like non-meta competitive uh, and non-meta competitive ones. So essentially, you know, we're going to make lists, well, we already did make lists um, without strike teams, without Veers, Bobo, Luke, or Leia. Um, but that sort of brought up a broader question as an interesting thought exercise. Like, what does a list look like, characters aside, what does a list look like without strike teams in it? Uh, and can you make a competitive list without strike teams? And what, is, what does that look like if you try? So I think you can make a competitive list without strike teams, first of all. Ooh, that con in contrast to what Facebook has been saying for the past few weeks. Um, yeah. But I don't think you can make a super competitive list without strike teams and any of the aforementioned characters. Um, yeah, well, let's let's table the character thing because that was like an additional um, artificial restriction. Let's for for now, let's just leave it at the, competitive list the, without strike teams. Yeah, the only constraint is no strikes. Yep. Yeah, I I think the big thing there's a couple like prevailing things that happen when we talk about legion lists, right? Um, the first is there's always a ton of core mm-hmm. units that probably still needs yep. to remain the same, and the second thing is that generally outside of characters only one of the heavy support or spec ops is really kind of focused on so you're either like going all in on three spec ops units or all in on three support units or you're taking one big heavy right generally the heavy sometimes has support units built in with it but the the most important thing about that is that it's keeping your tokens the same what you don't want to do is take six core units one support one spec ops and one heavy and have like a lot of inflexibility there. Yeah, because you know, sort of the core mechanics of Legion uh, incentivize you to take what we often refer to as, as like a lean token mix, right? Um, if you're going to your bag, you want to know what you're getting, or you want to not care what you're getting, and you can only give so many things orders. So, um, as I was going through this exercise, I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm going to end up with one or two characters, six core, and like three ATRTs. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which was th- what rebel lists were before snipers were a thing. Like, right. And if you look at imperialists before snipers were a thing, it was either, um, you know, veers, a bunch of core and an ATST or veers, a bunch of core and three speeder bikes. Hey man, I um, ran Vader, Vader, a bunch of core. Oh, I know you and ran Vader. Bikes, and yeah, okay. it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was fine. Those speeder bikes are really awkward in a Vader list. They totally are. They but really I, are. I want a lot of games. And that might have been yeah. due to the game being new and people not knowing what's going on. But man, was that list fun. <sighs> yeah, those those were the days, right? But I, I think I think kind of what I discovered doing this is that strike teams are the most efficient way to get like a uh, spammable, useful, timing neutral non core unit. But if you just cut strike teams out of the game, all you're going to get is them replaced with e-webs or ATRTs or speeder bikes because those are also spammable, relatively timing, timing neutral, you know, same token non-core units. Now, 
you know, ideally, the problem right now is it's not a choice between speeder bikes or snipers, right? It's just snipers, um, or or saboteurs. Right? It's strike teams, yeah. Uh, strike teams, yeah. And you know, well, well, I think. Well, can sorry, you clarify? Not a choice, because I'm I confuse me. Well, I'm just saying, like, so from a competitive standpoint, I think. Ideally, what you want to see is like, do I want an eWeb or do I want a strike team or do I want an ATRT, um, you know, or do I want an FD cannon or do I want a heavy, right? Um, I think oh, okay. I think right now the meta has become. You're not asking that question. You're just taking three strike teams, in that sort of like non-core, non-character space of, of your list, right? And then, if yes. you, and then if you've got Entourage, you're throwing Death Troopers or Irish. Yeah, I mean, I think that it could be argued that, that it's two strike teams plus a special forces slot. But, but yeah. um, generally, yeah. I, I, I think it's an interesting discussion just because, like, do you really want three E-Webs in your list? Like, is it because they're an efficient unit that is non-timing related? Like... I don't know. Like speeder bikes are certainly very timing sensitive. Yeah, speeder bikes are not absolutely not you know, timing. Or something. Um, which yeah. is interesting because they were kind of the imperial go-to for a while there. Um, yeah, but I, I, I think people have realized since then how important activation for control sure. is. For sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that to some extent, you know the efficiency of this, the strike team kind of comes into play uh, outside of the fact that it's just kind of the same token. Well, right. And it's, I think one, one other thing that it highlighted, you referenced activation timing, all of those other things, particularly like speeder bikes and emplacements um, are absolutely not timing neutral. And, you know, the reason that strike teams and more specifically snipers are so appealing is because, they're they're not a core unit, and they are extremely timing neutral for the most part. Um, so, like when I was doing this thing for this exhibition match, I'm like, all right. So if I suppose I want to start with one or two characters and you know four to six core units, what am I going to make my support unit or my special forces unit? Like, well, I could throw Wookies in there, but you got to make sure Wookies always have an order. Um, it's like I could throw Pathfinders in there, but you got to make sure they always have an order. Um, you know, so. I think it's telling that a lot of the units that get slotted into those into like where you would replace snipers with pretty much exclusively want HQ uplink on almost everything. I mean, like, right. like you might not have the points for it, but you feel like you need it. You know, like Pathfinders, yeah. you're like, oh my god, I need an HQ uplink. Speeder bikes, it's like I need at least one or two so that I can kind of get by on my ambush turns or whatever. Um, FD turrets. I need my HQ uplink so that I can shoot at the right time. Um, snipers don't care about that. Strike teams. Strike right. teams just don't care. They're like, oh, you don't right. need to spend an extra ten points on me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like a number of marvelous like sub discussions that can fall out from this um, from this line of inquiry. Um, which are. Which are sorry, I, I got confused <laughs> for a moment there. I got really confused for a moment there. My apologies. Um, so, well, one sub discussion is okay. What makes a unit timing neutral? Another good sub discussion would be, um, you know, activation control. Um, you only got so much you can do in the space of one activation, and so like how to maximize that. That's an excellent, an excellent discussion. But I mean, these are, these are all like, you know, you could spend, you know, 15 minutes on some of these sub discussions, but, um, I wanted to, to, to push us toward the, the next point, which is, um, you know, now that we're exploring, you know, things that are potentially, I'm going to say potentially cause they're untried and that's kind of the point of this, you know, there's a lot of lists out there that are potentially competitive. And, and the underlying question here is, are people just not trying enough stuff because snipers are easy? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. so. Not to, lead the que- not to lead the discussion to the obvious place, um, but, <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, like, if we had this discussion four months ago, we would definitely would not have sabs in the same conversation as snipers. But now because of 
some guy named Daniel Lupo, we have them in the same conversation as snipers, yeah. right? So yeah, you know what's what's the next like? I mean, I think double tanks could be a thing. Yeah, it for sure could. I do think that it's important to keep in perspective that when we are talking generally about the meta and about what is good and what is bad, air quotes, frickin' rebels. Um, <laughs> uh, we're talking in the confines of what has been explored and what is perceived to be the meta. That may not actually be the case. I mean, there might be units like Pathfinders might be the best unit in the game and nobody's just broken them yet, right? Like, they're probably not, but they could be, you know? Um, And so when we're talking about this conversation, I think it's important to keep that in mind because as soon as somebody goes through some one of this exploratory digs and and finds something that is good, all of a sudden it becomes a part of that conversation. But until that happens, it doesn't. It's also Uh, worth mentioning, I think just generally when we're talking about meta, we're talking about like not just tournament meta, but like for the most part, top tier tournament meta, right? Like, you know, um, Vader is, is considered off meta, quote unquote, but decaf from the discord won Kublai Khan with Vader. So, which was a big tournament, right? No, no, he didn't win. He didn't win. No, this is that's backwards. So Kevin got second <laughs> with Vader. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So well, Kevin, Matan Matan was uh, using uh, Krennic Boba. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So, so he won. He won with Kroba, but but I'll say I will say that Kevin was within like uh, uh you know he was like within a missed putt of winning because it was down to one suppression roll. Okay. So sure. it was like it was like a, a putt that like rims out, you know, it was so close. Okay, but, but close. the point is Vader who is like routinely dismissed, you know, as not part of the quote unquote meta, did uh exceptionally well at a large tournament. Right? Yeah. That so, was a, that was a thirty two player tournament. Yeah. It was not a small event. Right. So like yeah. I mean Legion is an objective focused game and it's also for the most part like fairly balanced in that you can take most things uh played well and put them on the table and do fine right yeah for the most part so yeah um for the most part yeah well t47 (laughs) aside unfortunately (laughs) but you know um i mean i'll call out a buddy here you know our buddy matt dunn um consistently puts three special forces on the table that aren't strike teams in his games you know and i I am consistently impressed with how well that list performs you know and they're all different special forces they're like he takes like one unit of five-man commandos one unit of five-man pathfighters and then a squad of wookies and it's really it's really good it's yeah he plays it well you know uh i mean he was there there he was one win away from a a world's invited high command with a list like that so uh, yeah you know and and he got to high command with a list right. like that you know yeah. um uh, strike teams are not the end all be all but they certainly are most of the time more efficient they're certainly easier i'm sort of quiet because i'm trying to parse i have like a bunch of thoughts about this <laughs> um the what are they david i'm trying i'm trying to make them clear because I, I i get into these tracks and i get a little scattered um so the first thought, the first thought here is, okay, there are mathematical constraints at work, in the sense that there are some things that just are mathematically not good, and you probably shouldn't experiment with them because <coughs> the math, exactly because the math is <laughs> the math is against you so heavily that you're probably not going to have any success with it. So don't waste your time. Um, the second, I'm just being brutally honest. The second thing. Um, is that while this is true, and I, we had this, I think we had this discussion in, in, in um, another forum, but the, the game is not in the hands of raw efficiency. And that's absolutely just true. Not just, be, and not just for the random elements, because you know, there's going to be the random throw of the dice where it's like five crits, and that just happens, right? But... But my point is, if the game were in the hands of raw efficiency, the game would have been solved already. Um, you have random chance, and you also have decision making. And because 
decision making still plays a large enough role in the game, you can get away with um, running these lists that are not efficient mathematically because there are um, non-efficiency factors that help you win. Like, for example, reckless aversion, change of plans, um, given to your anger, things that alter the course of the game just because your opponent has to respond to them. Because if they don't, they'll just die, right? They'll just lose. Yeah. <laughs> um, tr- triple flamer RT with uplink. If your opponent doesn't pay attention, they will just lose. So you, you basically like have to force your opponent to alter their game plan so they cannot just beat you down with raw efficiency. You know, that's sort of the answer here. Yeah. Um, and and, and it, this, this, this line of thinking opens the door completely. And, be, and I don't think the reign of Luke... Leia 6Z3 Sniper is eternal. <laughs> By no means is it eternal. I think we just haven't figured out yet what forces that player to make such poor decisions that they lose. <laughs> we haven't figured that out yet. I think to piggyback off that idea, um, you know, when kind of going back to like, we have a meta and we also have a bunch of things that probably aren't like explored when you're looking at like a meta that is fairly new um, to go to like a magic analogy, what deck normally wins? It's generally red deck wins mono aggro, right? It's like the beat down, kill your opponent as fast as possible. That sort of strategy tends to be the most efficient because when we're talking about a, a meta that has a bunch of unexplored things in it, the most easily solvable thing about it is what is the most efficient thing I can possibly be doing. Right. And that's what we have right now. So just to clarify for our listeners who may not do magic, um, red, red aggro beat down is, is jargon, magic jargon, right. For reduce my opponent's life total to zero, just do as much damage as I can to win as quickly as I can. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and they tend to be like efficient units, like, you know, for, you know, 20 points, I can deal one damage, you know, to my opponent or whatever. And, you know, roughly speaking, like the Z6 is, like Kyle, you can probably speak to this a little bit better than I can, is the most efficient unit uh, in the game. No, that's no. Um, Z6 is the most efficient okay, sure. range three unit in the game. Um, there we go. So, uh, yeah. Um, snipers. Snipers are almost as efficient as a Z6, and they're unlimited range. So (laughs) take that for what it's worth. (laughs) So you put the most efficient efficient range 3 unit next to the most efficient infinite range unit. Ah. Now that said, said, their efficiency (laughs) drops off dramatically when you're shooting into heavy cover instead of light cover down to none or no cover. Ah, decision making. Um, Do I shoot the units in heavy or do I shoot the units in light? Or do I move? Right, Right. and you know, just... I, the whole point of this segment is not to talk about snipers, but I guess we have to briefly talk about snipers. <laughs> well, we have to, right? Um, because we're talking about the alternatives. If, if you spend the entire game with, and if you've got three sniper strike teams and the entire game you're shooting shots into heavy cover, uh, they are not making their points back. Um, yeah, you might you might be throwing do some that. suppression down and they might be padding your activation count, but they're not going to be killing you know, enough to justify their existence. Um Shooting into heavy cover is basically at that point, you know, hoping you win more coin flips. Yeah. Well, can we caveat that? Because if you're shooting into heavy cover against, well, death yeah, troopers, okay, it might be worth it. Right. But if you, yeah, you, right. you, you know, like it right. depends on what you're shooting at, right? But if you're just picking off um, like, you know, half of a rubble trooper a turn with a sniper team shooting into heavy cover, because it's about like 65 right. ish percent chance to deal a wound through heavy cover with a sniper team with a name token. Um, they've also got non, this, they've also got a non points efficiencies like i can deal with suppression from infinite right. range or i can influence an objective on the other side of the board right yeah for which sure is the other half of why there, there's good. there's a lot of things but you know the point is like if you're running sniper strike teams you need to be looking for and prioritizing those no cover shots because that's where they actually make their money so to speak um but anyway that was a tangent i love that analogy yeah <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they make their money <laughs> yeah man um I think that it's important to point out that a lot of the other strategies in games that are like this um, that become prevalent other than efficiency based lists are like combo based lists. You know, I'm going to new ways to motivate them bosk and then drop a poison bomb on you, you know, the next turn. Um, it's stuff to that. I'm going to put Vader in a tank and 
roll them up there. Um, are those things good? Who knows um, at this point? But that space is largely unexplored. I feel like Han Solo has a lot of potential when we are talking about, I mean, you quoted Reckless Diversion and Change of Plans. Those are really strong cards. Yeah, yeah, they are game-altering cards. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, we've talked about this list months ago in the first Yavin-based team league, um, but sorry about the barbecue. You know, Han, Triple, Flame, ATRTs with Uplink. Um, it's... You know, it's one of those lists that if you run up against like a impact heavy empire list, you're probably screwed. But you're gonna stomp anything else. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, uh, almost any rebel list. Um, you know, they're gonna sit across the table from you, you and be like, "Well, I'm screwed." <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, that list could get a lot better when we see Confederacy come out. I mean. Yeah, when you're rolling. We're talking about sixteen black dice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking about units that have like six plus models in them. Flamethrowers yeah. get a lot better at that point. Yeah, you, you know, just sneeze on them and they'll they'll go, they'll just die, right? Like they'll they'll fold. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't and, know if sixteen black dice flamethrowers a sneeze, but you know, I get what you mean. Well, you know what I mean, right? Like a, a B ones hate fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. would be the answer. Yep. Um, and the interesting yeah. thing about that is that. It's probably not any worse against the Republic than it is against Imperials. I'd, I'd argue. Generally. Yeah, I mean, we don't know a lot about their weapons yeah. and stuff, but yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. So you know, it depends on like impact presence, but right. Well, just know. based on based on what we know about the fa- the, the phase one defense dice. I'm just yeah. like you know. we we know what their their defense dice is. Like we know what their armor save yeah. is, right? And it looks yeah. exactly like an Imperial armor save. Yeah, we can make a preliminary judgment. Like, I think that's totally within yeah. within. Reason. Yeah, and we also know that they're more expensive than stormtroopers, right? Yeah. So you know, there's there's right. still so, there's still three blank sides on that on that red dice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you still get in the fifty percent. Yeah. Um. So I guess um to to continue this discussion, right? Um, I don't know what I don't know what level of communication you have with um Luke about the show match. Um, what what did we come up with? Yeah, so <laughs> with when building lists about strike things, we didn't really talk about right. That yet. So I posted them earlier, and these are these are sort of additionally restrictive because we also said no Veers, Boba, Luke, Leia. Um, yeah, but he did he did Krennic and Bosk. Uh, shouldn't be terrible. The characters in these lists are not going to be better uh, than Veers, Boba, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he's got strict orders, Hunter and Sims. Um, he did uh, four stormtroopers with DLTs with two medics in there, and then two two units of uh, fully loaded death troopers, which is the DLT, Oof. Um, Hunter, uh, recon intel, and the and the long range config. That's a lot of suppression. Yeah, <laughs> That's three suppressive weapons at range. Four. Yeah, and I don't, you know, uh, the the best inspire tools rebels have are Luke and Leia. So. <laughs> um, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna so, see uh, a but officer spam. Yeah, so Sabine's I did take Sabine. Not, not bad. Um, we did not, by the way, the, we did not know uh, what each other was taking when we made these. Um, but I took I did take Sabine because uh, I figured I would need that graffiti token. Uh, yep, you're putting that yeah, in turn. Um, I took Han because uh, you know, um, you know, he's yeah. awesome. And when you're when you can't take Luke or Leia as a commander. Um, <laughs> he's your option. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Han's like. I mean, you could take anyway. Jin Urso, uh, Kyle. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot yeah. about Jin. <laughs> you totally just like moved around. You didn't remember she existed. I was, I did. I literally did. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I guess I could take the generic officer, you know. <laughs> Any literally anyone but Jin. I'm sorry, Jin. Kyle. I'm sorry, Jin. I love you. Um, it sucks because her command gosh. cards, I think, are. Mm. I think they're pretty good. Consider it. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not her anyway. command hand holding her back. Let's be clear. Anyway, Han is, it's, yeah, Han is great. So I took Han um, <laughs> uh, with endurance um, and strict orders. And uh, I also did, I did the gunslinger Sabine. So no dark saber, but endurance and recon intel. All right. Um, That's gross. Yeah. I know you don't like the gunslinger Sabine. I, I, like gunslinger Sabine. I think gunslinger Sabine is fine. I, th- I I I think that you take the dark saber with her, 
not because you want to beat things in the face with it, but because you would like her to get two actions in return. That's that's just how I feel about it. I yeah yeah it's twenty it's twenty five points for Dallas, which is fine. Um, I'm hoping between strict and endurance and we symbol that I can manage. Especially if Dallas, uh, you're getting shot at by double death troopers and Bosk. Yeah, that's you know like eight suppression in one turn potentially. Um, <laughs> I I have I have run you know I ran Luke Sabine uh, a fair bit, um, just in practice without dark saber and it was fine, including against Bosk's death trooper list. So, um, you know, symbol helps a lot. Uh, you know, there's a there's a tension between wanting to get it down early for the rest of your dudes and holding it until she's got a big stack of suppression on her, but. Um, we'll see. It's should I just ban strike teams in team league? Because these lists are so much more interesting. Um you haven't even gotten to the rest of it. I got I got two other all right, so I do have five Z sixes in here. Sad panda. Um but I also have <laughs> I also have uh an F D laser and uh and Chewy, Chewbacca. Wow. Three characters in a Sabine list, Kyle. How I could did. you? Uh well it's not like Chewie's command cards are forcing you to make I'm any hard saying, decisions. I'm making like points here. <laughs> making points and dropping bombs. Hey, oh, man. hey, but you know what? Just be, just be glad I just, I just he just only has all one bounty token. I want to play a Sabine list for like the longest time. <laughs> well, but I also, <laughs> if I could take strike teams, I would not have taken three characters. <laughs> um, I would have taken strike teams. Uh, so, yeah, but I couldn't. So I thought I'd put Chewbacca on the table. Because, um, you know, he's right. actually he's got decent range three firepower. Guardian can come in handy on the on the turns that don't involve lying in wait. Um, he's got pierce. So, yeah, he's got, he's got range, range three pierce with crit surge. So, um, what command cards? So, uh, and I figured an FD... Uh, yeah, what's your command? Handle like? <laughs> I gotta... uh, well, I accidentally posted this in my message to Luke, so I might as well tell you guys. Um, oh. <laughs> it's just, it's literally all of Hans and all of Sabine's. Okay, so, so you're not taking Legacy yeah. out for Notorious Scoundrels? Uh, no, as thematic as that would have been, um, I, I need orders on Sabine as much as I can get them. Um, and those tokens are good, so. Sure. Yeah, I'll use Change of Plans Fine. once, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, with with Han and Shuya, you have all the targets for Mandalore right. as well, which you could ever yep. want. But he sure as hell doesn't have the strike teams. <laughs> nope. Although it's not like if you're running snipers, you're in a position to give them orders with Sabine anyway. Normally, actually, actually, I've been deploying them forward a little bit just for that, and it's also good because putting orders on your strikes is awesome. Uh, it is. Yeah, like it's it's really good like it's it's like the next evolution of control we should talk about this in a different cast but if you could reliably get orders on strikes i would do that every single time well, you can you just because to... leveraging your infinite and leveraging your infinite range is so helpful in winning the gun line battle just cost you 10 points but dude yeah but at the same time though like i don't know it's it's awkward because you know medics kind of screw up that calculus a little bit because medics you know have the you know they delay their you put your snipers first they don't even have to delay their medic they just go with their medic and cancel your damage but the suppression alone might be worth it is my theory anyway anyway yeah, no i so you have a why, so why'd you take the laser with the uplink and no generator um just for cheapness and activation control you know in this in this list you have uh let's see uh both one pips um change of plans and um, symbol, you have four turns where you're only giving an order to one unit, right? Because change of plans and just something else. Uh, you you got to play standing orders at some point in a six-turn game if you're running change of plans. So, um, you know, four of your six turns, you're giving orders to one unit. <laughs> um, not ideal, right? So, um, you know, that was my big challenge, just coming up with, like, what do I support my core units and my characters with? Um, so FD with uplink because I can refresh that every turn and make sure it has an order. Um, and you know, without snipers on the table, in theory, it's a little more durable. Uh, obviously, Bosk changes that calculus a little bit, um, but uh, you know, in theory, there's a note in here about Bosk somewhere. Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah, there's definitely some show notes. About but Boss. we are already at an hour, so maybe we, <laughs> we should maybe we, uh, maybe we should table that. Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> well, table that. hold up. Let's. Should, I, should we leave there? Should we the, leave the audience on a cliffhanger and tell so them? So I think the answer to that question it. is yes, but I think we should do it very specifically. Okay. So, as everybody is okay. sure is well aware, the Northeast Open is this weekend. Bosk is also legal. So the question, the crux of it, is does line and weight make fragile, expensive rebel units obsolete? Let's find out this weekend. Well, not just rebel units, but... That's um, what the show notes yeah. says, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, okay. Let's let me let me let me talk. I wrote it for the record. Yeah, wasn't so that me. People know who wrote it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was the guy who got his land speeder one shot by boss. So, <laughs> um, uh, so the point. My point is there is that the I think the Imperials have enough of a save on certain units that they can save out of it, and so they're not obsolete because they have at least a fair chance of saving out of it. They're going to save you know, N minus one sure. crits because of Pierce, you know, and I think they'll, they have a, a higher chance of getting more saves. Right. Let's, so, but the rebel units in specific, the rebels have a good chance of rolling. One we're going to watch a lot of games, this which weekend. just gets canceled. Let's see if it bears out. Yeah, we are. Well, I would love to, and uh, we can talk about this on the, on the next episode because I would love to have that data to, you know, uh, fuel my argument. Kyle, maybe on are you doing like uh slips again? Uh yes. So maybe on there we can be like did line and weight mess up one of your rebel <laughs> check this box if so <laughs> people are just gonna uh, mark that as a troll. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Um we don't need to do I, that. Okay, so before we get too far down this salty rabbit hole, uh we do we do have some, some hobby section notes on here too. We do um we do so uh so i want to talk briefly about painting freehand because sabina's out um so there is an excellent we'll plug uh mr kev Novi, kevin valier here real quick um he's got an excellent article on sabine and painting sabine on his website lead uh imperial discipline nice. i think is it still called imperial discipline i think so yes yes okay he, so he is yeah. Kev Novi, but his site is still Imperial Discipline. Um, good article on painting Sabine and just on uh, like freehand in general. Um, I used to do some freehand with uh, 40k orcs and you know checker patterns and all that fun stuff. Um, so I thought I'd take my hand at Sabine. I posted some pics on the Facebooks, but um, basically freehand is like it's a little intimidating, but really you're just painting shapes. Um, you know, and you got to think of everything in like subsets of shapes. So even like a checker pattern, um, you're painting, you know, a tic-tac-toe pattern, right? Like do your base color. If you're doing a white and black check, start with white on the base and then do like a tic-tac-toe pattern in black and then fill in every other square. Um, so, you know, the only straight thing you have to paint are the lines for the tic-tac-toe pattern and then you just fill them in. Um, I know that's like a gross oversimplification, um, but there's tons of like YouTube tutorials and stuff on it. If you've never tried painting freehand, I would, you know, and you want to paint Sabine, I would suggest just giving it a shot. Um, she's a great model to experiment on. Um, if you don't want to like, you know, mess it up, use a, use a, like a, a scratch model that you have just to try some of the patterns and stuff. You know, she's got lots of checks. She's got um, other like weird, um more curvy patterns if you look at some of the like her helmet designs and stuff like that um she's got that like dragon thing on one of her it's shoulder a pads. phoenix uh the phoenix no there's the, okay she's got a phoenix on her breastplate is that a phoenix on the shoulder pad too? let me i'm gonna go one sec depends on the okay. season all right it, it depends well, on the right. season yeah each one is different anyway i did a dragon yeah. thing on the shoulder pad so hopefully that's what it is yeah um <laughs> i'm going with the season one shoulder pad because it's easier to paint just a straight domino than it is there to paint go. that symbol over it um yeah so anyway uh i would encourage trying it um another like big thing with uh, freehand is make sure that you thin your paints you should be doing that anyway um but you got to do like extra thinning not to the point where they're watery and runny but like just before that point 
because uh, with freehand, it's yeah. if, if you don't have super thin paint, it's going to glob up real quick, um, and you d you don't want that when you're doing freehand. So, melted ice cream is a good melted consistency ice cream. Uh, I'd say that's even too thick. Yes. Yeah, that's too thick. Okay. Um, you want it like just before it's running. So even even more. Like like okay like yeah just like before. not not wash consistency but almost wash consistency if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that's super thin. Um, Holy crap. Yeah, and that means you got to do a lot of coats too. Two thin coats, four thin coats. Yeah. Um, yeah, more like four. Yeah. So you don't yeah. want it to be like dripping and running. You want it to stay. You know, you want the paint to stay where you put the the paintbrush. But um, yeah, thin thin your paints. If you uh uh if you have a or just Google it wet palette. You can get a wet palette for like ten bucks. It makes a super huge difference. Um, it basically for those that don't know, it's it's just like a sheet of acrylic paper on top of a sponge basically. Um, but it makes a big difference in painting stuff like this and thinning your paints and using water in paints. So I use a wet palette. It's awesome. Um, you know, it's one of those things I've been painting since I was like 12 and I just got a wet palette a couple of years ago and it like totally changes the landscape of your painting skill in my opinion. So yeah, short plug for wet palettes. A, a I think it's a loft wolf. I think so. I'm not positive. Okay. Well, really mine looks like a dragon. So, uh, um. <laughs> I mean, it does sort of look like a dragon head. I can see that. It's like a, it's like a yeah, thing with like fangs, a, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a dragon okay. or a loth wolf. Maybe somebody can tell us what it is. But, yeah. You know, uh, if anyone like actually knows, uh, please, uh, we'd be, I'd be, I'd be curious. Um, so. Yeah, she's definitely got an owl on one of them. Um, that's from one of the later seasons. <laughs> yeah, season three had like the Ahsoka owl on it. Jay, Jay is, ma Jay is like rolling purple. his eyes and making a wrap it up hand motion. So Look, um... Jay, we're <laughs> arguing about Sabine's colored armaments. Everything's fine. <laughs> Jay, this is very important. I'm, I am surfing right. Google right. while on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Okay, well... Um, enjoy painting Sabine and uh, honestly just do whatever the hell you want because it's yeah. your mini just yeah you want it you want to paint like, don't be afraid you know whatever honor do that there you go yeah yeah all right with that we're gonna close it out um, come to the Northeast open just get your butts yeah. here and uh, come have a fun time and if not we'll see you on stream this weekend yep watch the stream yeah. it's gonna be fun all right. Well, signing off for the Notorious Scoundrels, I'm David. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike. Join us next week for another episode of the Notorious Scoundrels. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.